0: let's take out our Bibles. We're going to begin in Psalm chapter 73. Psalm 73. Very practical, very basic thing. Why it's important to go to church. Psalm 73 verse 1 says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish." When he sees something here, what is it that he sees that caused him to be envious at the foolish? When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When I saw how they prospered in this world. More than I do, is what he's saying. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. They seem to have an easier, happier life than other people. And these are the evil ones, not the ones that are serving the Lord. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride. Pride comes at them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. So what, what are the results here? One is pride. Pride comes up because of that. Because they're prospering in this world. It builds pride. Number two, violence. They tend to get more violent. There's a change, two changes in people that are prosperous in this world, that two tendencies, not always absolutely true, but two tendencies, true most of the time, pride and violence. Two problems with people who prosper in this world, and two problems with people in this world that Christians might even envy, as it says here. Now, what straightens him out? What gets him back on the right level, in the right place? Look at verse number 16. Psalm 73, verse 16. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood, then he understood something about them. What was it? Then understood I their end. Where they're going to end up. That's what he understood. That's when he came to the realization of. And then verse 18, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment that judgment comes quickly? They are utterly consumed with terrors because they're afraid they're going to lose what they have. The more you have, the more you have to worry about First of all, the church, local church, why it's important? It's like a school, like learning. Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen: "Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." And that means uh, an in-depth study, really looking into the word of God, studying, praying about it, researching. But there's always more to learn. Study, 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 and it's a joy. But it's a school. And you'll learn certain things. You'll learn things you didn't know before. There's a lot of times we don't know what we don't know. You ever think about that? We don't know what we don't know. And so we need to learn what we don't know so we can know it. And there's certain things we need to unlearn. There's certain things we, we believe are right and they're not right. They're wrong. We need to unlearn a lot of things, too. And this book will straighten you out. This book will do all that. So number one, it's like a school for learning. But it's a blessing to know more about God. Number two, there's sanctification, there's separation, and there's conviction. Now, we know sanctification has two parts, two parts of sanctification. Number one, you are sanctified when you're saved. You're set apart. You're going to heaven heaven for sure someday. So you are sanctified. But sanctification has a, a second definition also. And the second definition of sanctification is it's also a growing process. Number two, there's separation too. Separation has two parts. You're separated from something and you're separated unto something. You're separated from the world Unto or to the Lord. So separation has two parts. And then there's conviction too. Uh, when when you, people come out to church here, they're convicted about this. Uh, they're convicted if they don't come out to church. All right, so in church you get sanctification. You're being separated from the world. And you're growing your sanctification. You're being separated because you're here, you're not somewhere else. And it's conviction even if you hear the preaching. You get convicted even in church too by what you need to do yet. Church is a great place. A school it's a place for sanctification, separation, and conviction number three it's a good example to others also. turn to first Corinthians chapter eleven verse one. just come out to church, be a good example to your kids, your grandkids. come out to church. I know the kids I know the kids are hard to get out to church a sometimes and you pray for them I know you pray for them you're concerned about them I know I know you do that. But here's one thing you can do. Just set a good example for them. If it's a battle, I know that. If it's difficult, I know that. But just set the example yourself. Who knows in five years and ten years from now, your kids will think, yeah, I remember grandpa and grandma. They always went to church. I believe God will work in people's lives that, day, that way. Set a good example. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 says, And again, this is not even the Lord talking. Who's saying this? The Apostle Paul. Be ye followers of me, now, even as I also am of Christ. As long as I'm doing what the Lord would have me to do, as long as I'm following the example of Jesus Christ, then follow my example too. So set the right example, Christian, but be a good example for others. There's plenty of bad examples out there. Let me say this. There's so many bad examples out there, you don't need to be another bad example. There's enough bad examples out there. Be a good example instead. All right, number four, point four in my outline. For fellowship with other Christians, to, to be around other Christians, Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: iron sharpeneth iron, so man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You know, we need to rub off on each other. You know what I found, too? People that drip, drop out of church, if somebody drops out of church, one of two things happen, and sometimes two things. Number one, they lose their enthusiasm for serving the Lord. You can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. You can't do that. You've got to be with other Christians. need to be here. Don't start drifting away from church because, one, you'll lose your enthusiasm. We need each other to keep ourselves revived. And number two, what I've also seen happen is people get off on doctrine. And this is one of the things I have seen is when people drift away from church, number one, they lose their enthusiasm and or they get caught up in some kind of strange false doctrine, some strange false beliefs. That's what I've seen. Iron sharpened with iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Ah, uh, interesting. Fellowship, fellowship with other with other. Christians, you can't live the Christian life by yourself. So do we need to enjoy each other's company? We need to benefit from the fellowship there. We need to benefit from church and being here together, all together at one time. Fellowship with other Christians. That's, of course, one of the main reasons for it. Number five in the outline, for personal strength, strengthening in our lives. We need to grow spiritually spiritually. Five kinds of Christians that need, especially need church for this reason. First of all, for the one who's naive, or the Bible uses the word foolish. Those who don't know the Bible, those are foolish yet, don't have the wisdom that God's going to give them, or they would have if they, uh, as they grow in the Lord, they'll have more wisdom. That's practical knowledge. Number two, the weak ones, those that are weak in the Lord. I mean, there's people that you have to talk to about eternal security and about, about what real salvation is. It's through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not of works. And they get the, get the grace of God and the works mixed up so many times. And they're weak. They say, am I really going to go to heaven? Uh, how can I know for sure? And you have to talk to them time and time and time again. And that's all right. That's all right. Talk to them time and time and time again and pray for them. But there are weak Christians. So there's naive, foolish Christians. There's weak Christians. There's ones who are discouraged, because of people. I think that's the main reason people get discouraged. I've never gotten discouraged because of the Lord. I've never gotten discouraged because of God's word. But I have gotten discouraged because of people sometimes. And so we need to be strengthened. Strengthened beyond that kind of discouragement. Strengthened beyond the weaknesses that we have. And then we have the defeated Christians. The ones that have given in to some sin. And they're defeated. seems like they can't get victory over things. I guess this includes all the addictions. Christians feel defeated sometimes. Uh, So we need to encourage them. They need to be strengthened. We need to help strengthen them. And the wounded ones, the wounded ones, the ones that have really been hurt in different ways. So these are the ones that need to be strengthened, to build up in the strength, to withstand the temptations of the world, to withstand the strength of people. Look at Job. How many friends did he have? How many people did come up? Well, three. He said three. There was a the fourth young guy, too. But what did he call his friends? <laughs> yeah. Did Job make it through all that? Yeah, he did. He did. So for personal strength, to be strengthened at times when we need it, the naive, the foolish, the weak, the discouraged, the defeated, the wounded, need, need the strength. That happens at church. You know, we need a revival every service here. I try to preach kind of that way. So we have revival at our church all the time, all the time. So growing in personal strength. Number six, this is an interesting one. It's a sacrifice of time. I got up this morning. At my time, I usually get up, got ready, came out to church here. It, it's a wonderful time. I could be someplace else, but I sacrificed my time, and I sacrifice my energy to be here at church. Here's the point I want to make. It is a sacrifice. Don't take it lightly. You could use your time doing something else. You're giving, you're sacrificing time. Time is a commodity. Time is something. Just like money is something. Your energy is something. Time is something And you're using this time to come out to church, and you're sacrificing the time to be in church to honor the Lord. And when you invite someone to church, many times, what is their excuse? I am so busy. I'm so tired with this. I don't have the time. Well, that's why it's a sacrifice. You're giving the time to the Lord. And don't take it lightly. Don't just say, well, I just went to church this morning. No, you were at church this morning. You sacrificed something for the Lord, your time. Some spend time driving the church here. Some spend more time driving the church than others here. And the Lord sees that, and the Lord honors that. That's what's involved in church, the time that's involved too. So it's the sacrifice of time. And then also point number seven in my outline, unlike this one, to be somewhere. I referred to this already a little bit. Where else can you sing spiritual songs? Where else can you hear the Bible taught, preached? Where else can you say amen? Like if people go to a ball game, I guess the football teams are playing today, most of them are, I guess. And if your team scores a touchdown, does everyone in the crowd yell amen. <laughs> they yell a lot of things. about guarantee it's not amen. Why? It doesn't fit there, does it? It fits here. <laughs> See? It fits here in church. So we sing songs about the Lord Jesus Christ. We sing spiritual songs here. They don't do that in those coliseums. They don't do that in, in those stadiums. You hear the Bible taught And preach here. You come under conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Here, right here in this church. You say amen, right? Here in this church. That's where it is. It matters where you are. It matters where you go. Turn to Exodus chapter 32, verse 23. It matters where you are. I brought myself to church this morning. You brought yourself to church this morning. You did right. I did good. You brought yourself here. Exodus 32, verse 26. Where you are makes a difference. Where you are makes a difference. Exodus 32, verse 26. You know the story. Israel sinned with the golden calf. The Lord was going to bring a judgment on them. Moses prayed for them, but then he goes down. Exodus 32, verse 26. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Okay, who is on the Lord's side? Now, how can they show they're on the Lord's side? They might be on the Lord's side in their thoughts. They might be on the Lord's side in their love, of the love of their hearts. They might be on the Lord's side in their doctrine, but how can they really, really, really show they're on the Lord's side? Verse 26 again. Then Moses stood in the gate of a camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Now, to show whose side they're on, He's going to tell them to do something and to be somewhere. Here's my connection. To do something and to be somewhere. And said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. So in other words, where you are right now, that's not where you should be. I want you now to come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. In other words, if you're on the Lord's side, move. If you're on the Lord's side, move. Move from where you are to where you should be. Move from where you are to where the Lord wants you to be. Get moving. Where you are makes a difference. You need to be here, not there. You need not be with the crowd out there. You need to be with the Lord, with the Lord and, and his crowd here. It makes a difference where you are. You need to be somewhere, somewhere. Praise the Lord. You're all in the right place today. I wonder when the rapture is gonna take place. Sunday morning would be a good time. (laughs) It's always good to be caught doing something good. I was caught doing good, I was caught doing right. I was caught in the right place at the right time, not the wrong place in the wrong time. I was in the right place at the right time. It makes a difference where you are. Where are you during the week, where are you? One pastor friend, a pastor at Southside there, he got on, all his teachers, everybody, he said, we had this, some kind of activity. He says, and some of you weren't there. Where were you? And he was mad. He was, honestly, he was really mad about that because he wanted everybody to be at their church activity, and they weren't. Some of them weren't. Where were you? If the rapture takes place on Sunday morning here, all of us in church would say, hey, I was in the right place. What if they're not here? And they could have been. You know, they're not in some good church somewhere. Be somewhere. And where you are matters. When you're in church, you're in the right place. Every Sunday church. To be somewhere, to be the right place. And then also point number eight in my outline. It's a joy. I like, you know, it's a joyful thing. I like being happy. You know, I enjoy. I'd rather be happy than sad. I'd rather be happy than nervous. I'd rather be happy than hurting. I, I, I like being happy. I want to be happy. And the Lord gives us that joy. Now, we also know the Bible talks about there's just difficult t- things and we, we mourn with those that mourn. I know that. And, and sorrow is better than laughter for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. I know that too, too. But I, I'd rather be happy. I know God puts me through difficult things, and he does every Christian for chastening and, and helping us, encouraging us. I know that too, but I'd rather be happy. But you know what the Bible says? Turn to, in fact, I'm going to show you what the Bible says. Turn to Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16. We're going to look up three verses here in Psalm that talk about where you get real joy. I used to be happy before I was saved. I had difficult times before I was saved too. I had some unhappy times. But when I got saved... I have a greater joy than ever had. That should happen at church, and it does happen at church. Psalm chapter sixteen, verse eleven. It says here, Psalm sixteen, eleven: "Thou wilt show me the path of life. In Thy presence is fullness of joy, real joy, full joy is in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is is among His saints." The Lord is among the church as they gather together. So in Thy presence is fullness, a fullness of joy. Now turn to chapter one twenty six verse one. Chapter one twenty six verse one, two and three. Psalm chapter one twenty six verse one. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. And our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are. G-L-A-D. Glad. I'd rather be glad than sad. I'd rather be glad than mad. I just like being glad and having the joy of the Lord. Turn also to chapter 132, verse 9. Just probably one page there over. Chapter 132, verse 9. Let thy praise be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. For joy. I want to be happy. Eternal joy once I get to heaven. Now, I know there's tears in heaven, too. I need to qualify that a little bit. But finally, in the final state, all tears will be taken away in the final state. Joy, the joy I have in the Lord. I know what the future holds. I know I'm going to be in heaven someday. I know my sins are forgiven. I know, I know, I know these things. And what a joy that brings. I don't know about you, but we have experience when you first get saved, part of it's emotional too. I don't want to compare emotional things. That's where you get into trouble sometimes. Because people can have an emotional experience. It's not really a spiritual, right? a spiritual experience. But when I got off my knees that day in the chaplain's office, after saying that prayer for my salvation, I had a joy in my heart. What a difference it was. What a difference. For joy, for joy. And then also, every Sunday church, point number nine. And this is the main thing. This is the main thing. To honor and glorify the Lord. That verse in Revelation 4.11 that we have memorized from the Sunday school time. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation 4.11. We come out to church to honor his commandments with obedience. We come out to church to because he gave us the invitation to fellowship with him. We came to his house because we're family members. And we came out to honor his son, who is Lord and Savior and Judge and coming again, coming again with righteousness and judgment. Here's Here's the question, are you ready? In church this morning, are you enjoying church? Or are you enduring church today? Let this question go across your mind. Why do these people seem to enjoy this? But I don't. Why does it seem like the people in this morning seem to enjoy hearing the Bible taught and preached and they get excited about it and say Amen, and there's a joy in their heart. It just shows on their countenance. But I don't. What's missing? I know what's missing, salvation. Salvation brings a joy in a person's heart. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not saved today, if you haven't believed on him, you need him this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for, Lord, for this message. Thank you, Lord, for helping me through. It's a little more difficult this morning preaching. But, Lord, I I believe you helped me bless this. But it's not about me, Lord. It's about everyone here. It's about the Lord have they really surrendered to him and believed on him? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved saved. Heavenly Father, please bless this time of prayer now an invitation. And Lord, I pray maybe some of will walk down this morning for salvation, to submit themselves to you and believe on you, surrender to you. Others, of course, Christians can come forward and pray about things too, many things. That's the invitation also, purpose for the invitation. But Lord, especially for those that are here this morning and didn't really enjoy it, they endured it and couldn't understand why others are getting all happy about this, but they're not. Lord, help them understand why the difference is there. Help them understand that. Please, Lord, we, we pray for them, we plead for them. You died for them, you love them. They need to say yes instead of no. No. So bless meet spiritual needs in the invitation prayer time please in Jesus name I do pray and ask it now amen